When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Equity of up to one hundred and fifty million pounds. You're on the theatre, fun. You're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 96. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we just watched what is quite possibly one of the greatest World Cup finals, if not the greatest World Cup final ever in history. Argentina are world champions. Uh, and as everyone expected, uh, Tottenham legend Juan Foyth hoisted the World Cup. That is, that is I think, <laughs> the biggest takeaway from this day. Uh, I've got Shuban and Scott alongside me to talk about this one and, and a lot more going on in Spurs land. Shuban, we'll start by throwing it out to him. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, like I said, this is probably the best World Cup final I've ever seen in my lifetime. And um, no, um, for all the... Everyone talks about Qatar, blah, 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 blah. But do you know what? This was incredible football and credit to france as well you know they played well from 70 whatever minutes on and hugo yeah it was, it was an honor to have i mean i think hugo is the first spurs player to we can't to, to lift the world cup to, to, you know in, in our history and now to have a second but to have even have the two players in the final on either side that was amazing so yeah proud for both players and congratulations to cute romero no question uh Scott, scotty is also with us he is at dsm spurs scott what's going on with you mate not much man <clears throat> like you said maybe maybe well in my opinion the greatest world cup final of all time and maybe the greatest soccer game that i've ever watched actually and the you know context there is that it's a world cup final right there have been games that have been as thrilling but never in in that setting right so holy shit what a, what a cool game to watch as a neutral and I not maybe I'm not as neutral, right? I, I we all know that I don't I maybe don't wager money on these things, but I wager wager my word and my reputation, and I feel pretty good about my accurate prediction that Argentina would would lift the World Cup. So that's that's the Euros with Italy. That's the World Cup with Argentina. If anybody wants to win money on major soccer tournaments, shoot me a DM. Yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna ignore. It. I did not wager anything on this game today. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't because if if I had, I would have been shitting bricks uh, watching that game. I wish I was shitting bricks and I didn't wager on it. Let's put it that way. This game was stressful as hell for the neutrals, as stressful as it was for the non-neutrals. Um, Dude, and I yeah, and I don't. For. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, you were getting going there, but I, I have never been so emotionally invested in a game that I was not a part of as a fan or a player. Um, I, I, I lived off of the emotions of those players. I, I, I could feel the stress and the pressure. Right. Um, 
it's uh it's it's been a long time since a game that I like I said I'm not a fan of has gotten me going like that. So yeah, no no question about it. Um yeah. uh, like Shubon said, aside from everything else that, that that went on with this World Cup, uh when we're talking just on the field, I feel like this was a really great display for the game uh as a whole. This tournament as a whole, I thought was, you know, between the the stars shining and especially in this final when you've got Mbappe versus Messi um, and you've got all the drama that that goes into that. Um, I just thought it was a really great display for the game um, aside from from kind of everything else surrounding it. And of course, really cool to see Christian Romero winning a World Cup. I joke about Juan Foyth. Cool, cool for him as well. But, Christian, you know, second straight um, World Cup, obviously, where a prominent member of, of the World Cup winning team is a member of Spurs. I, I'm going to be glad to see Romero after he takes his, you know, whatever, six-week hiatus now with an injury to eventually <laughs> make his way back to Spurs and hopefully man the middle of the defense. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, what do you, what did you guys make of, of Christian Romero's turn? Obviously, he was he was immense. and it's, It still weirds me out a little bit to see when Christian Romero makes a tackle or – you know, makes a block and how he just lords over players and barks at the, it's a little weird for me. I'm like, dude, just play the game. Like he's so intense though. He's so into it. It's a little, it kind of freaks me out a little bit though, to watch it. I, I think what, there was one tackle that was like the middle of the pitch or something. It's like, he, like he launched himself from like the center circle all the way through the middle. Um, I think it's that kind of intensity. I mean, it's like, I think we saw it, um, I think we saw him with his running battles with um, Richarlison last year. Last year, yeah, they have him running battles because he puts absolutely everything on there. And um, I didn't get to see. Um, I don't know if you what your because obviously you was at your Fox Sports one. The BBC didn't show uh, Hugo and um, what should I call it and um, Romero embracing because obviously all eyes were on Messi clearly for obvious reasons. And then a lot of eyes went on to um, Mbappe because Macron's consoling him. And um, so, yeah, you didn't really see it really was. And that was and the funny thing is, because obviously for Qatar, the, the Qatar investment fund that owns PSG, this could if you're like a Qatar investor or something, this is like an absolute dream to have the two, the symbols of your football club, have them at the highest level of international football, have an absolute barnstormer. It doesn't. I mean, if you're, if you're like Project Qatar or something, they have got so much out of this just from the fact that all eyes will be on that so yeah i mean to see i mean i think i said hugo like i said hugo's our first one now to have Peter romero win it it's just incredible i mean like emmy martinez this is a guy that people don't realize he was actually was doing so he was so far away from the argentina squad they actually thought do you know what maybe we can try and get him to play for england because he's been in england that long that's uh, that's that's what the talk was, and obviously he's very glad that he didn't. Obviously, because obviously he's won the World Cup, which I don't think he would have won with England. But um, no, I mean, and just I'm like you've got people like in Saudi Arabia that's celebrating because they're like, yeah, yeah, we beat the world champions, you know. And it's just and it's just craziness. And like the the thing is, what people forget is that the shadow of Maradona has loomed over Argentine football for so long. It, there's always every player that came along was the next uh, going to be the next Maradona, Pablo Aymar. Uh, Raquel May, Veron, and especially, I think 20 years ago, the Argentinian economy collapsed. And so everything was, all the pressure was on Argentina to win the World Cup. And on the first, you know, they had Batistuta, they had Veron, they're one of the favorites. 
knocked out in the group stages. And it just, for a country that literally, it is such a huge thing for them. I mean, not just in Argentina, I was saying on, off air, in Bangladesh, which is where my parents, parents come from, there are people that will literally fight between Brazilian Bangladeshi fans of Brazil and Bangladeshi fans of Argentina. There'll be statues, there'll be parties in the street for Messi. And to have a player that is quite shy, doesn't speak, doesn't, I don't think he speaks any English. So he's, yeah, so it makes it very difficult for him to communicate with his non, you know, for the rest of the, you know, with a lot of, you know, the non English diaspora. But he's a symbol really of Latin America. And the fact that he almost quit, I think, three years ago because of the Copa America, he missed a penalty and they were, they were giving him time to show, oh, that's it, I'm quitting, that's it. I said, I'm done. And then they're telling, no, 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 please don't quit. Please don't quit. Please don't quit. We love you, love you. We love you, Lee. We love you, Leo. And I don't know if you so saw this, but there was a picture that had both Lionel Messi and Maradona in the same flag or something. And it was just for Messi to be able to escape his shadow. I think that is such a huge lift. And I, look, Messi, Maradona for me will always be the greatest player in my lifetime because to win a World Cup single-handedly is impossible. And I, and, I, and I say this to anyone that was older than me that watched 86, I say, look, name one name one, name one other player from the 86 final. Obviously, we'll know a lot of the players. We'll see you know, Romero's name from this game, Amy Martinez, and all that kind of stuff. Because football's much more global now. I mean, I remember it's, I don't know what the, what the, what the viewing figures will be on this, but it must be, what, billions at least have been watching this game. Oh, yeah, it's always in the billions for, for this game. And it, it'll be interesting, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought up the coverage at, at the very start of that because I've spent this entire month, six weeks or whatever, however long this thing has been going on, um, berating the coverage uh, that, that Fox Sports has done here in the United States. And I thought it was very, very humorous that <clears throat> this game went so long and went right up against the kickoff of, of, of NFL games on a Sunday. And they literally kicked the network coverage over to their cable channel fs1 for the post-game celebration i wanted there to be more penalties taken i wanted penalties to go 15 20 deep just to run into the actual game coverage and see what they would have done because i'm sure there were many executives over at fox sports shitting their pants um it was uh, you know that was kind of wild for me um i just i thought that was uh, it, I'm, I'm I'm glad that this World Cup is over. I'm glad that it ended the way that it did. Um, heartbreaking, obviously, as you mentioned, for Hugo Lloris, but he won one four years ago. You can't feel that heartbroken. Um, just a, a really, really interesting, interesting way to wrap that whole thing up. Um, I think the fallout of this World Cup is what we move to next because obviously for Spurs, the fallout is going to be pretty great i mean we talk about these two players that were involved in this game here including a player that was involved in the game yesterday ivan perisic and croatia taking third place over morocco um when you include those three players kind of in the mix that were playing this weekend they are not gonna be back for i don't think quite a while and spurs play a game as we record this eight days from now so um that's gonna be interesting to see kind of how all of that plays out um might we see Fraser Forster in goal against Brentford uh, and maybe for another couple of games after that, I would imagine that to be the case um, who, who might, who might be replacing now it's, it's easy to say who might be replacing Romero in, in, in the center of defense because he hasn't really played for Spurs. It feels like 
since maybe early October, but there's going to be a lot of pieces. And not to mention, we come out of this World Cup too with with knowledge and news that Richarlison is going to be out for for quite some time, probably about uh, six weeks. So that puts him out really probably through the end of January. Um, we're going to have other players coming back: Harry Kane, Eric Dyer from England. You know, I, I can't even remember all of the players that were knocked out maybe last weekend who are still probably not going to be back and ready for next week. So Scott, where, do, where does all this kind of sit with you as we all of a sudden we're going to blink and next week, you know, we're going to be talking about Brentford and, you know, this game coming up on boxing day and we're just thrown right back into this. A lot of the other leagues in Europe are taking a little bit more time off, but England getting right back to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the way in England. We know that, right. But um, yeah, there, there's going to be some challenges. I, I I do want to touch on Romero quick, it, and all you know, we we all know Romero will tie into this. He won't be there, but Romero, I think the biggest piece of all of this for me is just the resilience he's shown. Because I I think it's easy to forget he was hooked at the end of their loss to to Saudi Arabia, and then was not listed in the starting lineup in their second group stage game. So then he got the start in the third the third match um, and never looked back. And he was immense today, played phenomenally well. I think he, he does, he does something so well that is so crucial of defenders and he just emotionally plays himself into the game. And you guys kind of touched on it earlier. I think it's so crucial for defenders to be emotionally invested in the match. I think forwards need to be a little bit more calm and composed. Right. But, 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 Romero plays best when he's fired up and he was today, but he, he played under control too. So I got to give him a ton of, of respect for coming back after getting hooked and then benched, you know, and, and helping Argentina get all the way. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough miss without him. It's going to be a tough miss without Hugo. I think if I'm a betting person, I think anybody from the England squad could potentially be, be involved. I'm not quite sure what's going on. We know some people rushed back to camp. We know some didn't, right? So I think there's still still something to be said for anybody that was in, say, like the quarters or, or earlier, um, you know, knocked out quarters or earlier to be there. We'll see. But regardless, I won't be surprised to see some of those guys that have been there for the last, you know, four weeks at Hotspur Way get, get minutes over guys that have been at the World Cup. Conte is going to be – the type of manager who's going to look for cohesion in the right squad rather than the, maybe the right talent, right? So um, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I do think, you know, we can expect to see Sanchez. That's pretty obvious, right? Um, I do think we'll see Fraser Forster. Be very interested to see what happens at the wingback positions, right? Um, is Sessignon injured, do we know? I, th- I thought he maybe picked up a knock. Yeah, Sessignon did not play in the uh, in the friendly against Motherwell. It'll be interesting to see if he plays against Nice this Wednesday. For for those who don't who for have either forgotten or didn't remember, Spurs are playing uh, one of these kind of friendlies against Nice this Wednesday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm not sure if that's a game that that fans can attend or not. I would assume that it is, considering they're playing at the stadium. But um, I don't know that for sure. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he's back, perhaps to play in that game. But the, the wingbacks that, that played the majority of the time in the game against Motherwell, which was a week ago this past Friday, uh, were Matt Doherty and Jed Spence. And then Spence came mm-hmm. off um, came off late in the game. I, th- I think he came off for um, – uh, who's the, the Estonian kid? Pis- Pis- Piskotsky? 
Kutzkowski, Paskowski, whatever. He, he 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 came on in that game as well. There were a lot of lot of subs late in the match, but it was it was mostly Spence and Darty. I'll be interested in, in the wingbacks as well, Scott, because there have been still a lot of rumors surrounding the name Emerson Royale and and Inter Milan. Um, obviously January right around the corner, so we'll be I'll be keeping an eye on that. But I'll be interested to see Jed Spence more than anyone and see if he has won a job. Yeah. Um, to 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 come out maybe in this second half and take over that right wingback spot. Um, that's something that I'll be really interested to see. You mentioned speaking of betting person. If I was a betting person, I'm, I'm wondering if Ivan Tony's gonna be allowed to play because he had some weird gambling thing or something. He was suspended or so he got into trouble prior to the Oh, World yeah, Cup. you're right. So I don't know if yep. he's gonna be in. So hopefully, <laughs> just when you mentioned betting person, the first thing I thought was Jane Ivan Tony, whether he's gonna be allowed to play or not. But yeah, I haven't heard anything, any kind of um, you know, whether there's been any kind of actual. I know there were charges brought by the FA, but was there an actual suspension of any kind? Or I have no idea. I've not heard. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. I know he was, he was, he was, he was a miss for the England squad, right? He didn't make the the England team. No, he didn't make the squad. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think I was confused by that because I thought I I don't understand any of this, right? But I thought because he wasn't involved in the squad, there wouldn't be any issue with him betting on England. But I guess I'm wrong, right? Well, no, it's, it's not bad. It's like it doesn't matter if, as I said, that happened to Andros. If you're if you're betting on games as professional, you're not allowed to. You're, you're literally yeah. not allowed uh, to bet on any games. You can't bet on. I mean, the the men men who are involved in in professional football couldn't bet on women's games even. Like it's really you can't bet, you can't bet on professional football if you're a professional footballer. Got it. It's it's that's yeah. that's a there's a similar rule about that with in you know in the United States where gambling is in places where gambling is legal, you still can't gamble if you're involved in the sport. Um, I even know that team employees for a lot of sports teams and leagues cannot gamble on other sports by rule. Um, it's they're, they're very, very restrictive about that kind of stuff, but wow. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that relates to, uh, to Ivan Tony, but um, I'm sure he's it does. Charged. He's, he's been charged, but knowing, <clears throat> knowing our luck, he'll probably get suspended after. Yeah, okay. we'll probably put up we'll probably put up two goals and assist uh, on Boxing Day, knowing knowing our luck. Um, yeah, right. what, what, what do you guys what do you guys think about this Richarlison injury? I'm I'm really interested to see aside from the wingbacks coming back out of the break, how this front three shakes out. Obviously, Kulisevsky seems to be healthy now and played in the game against Motherwell. I would expect to see him against Nice as well, um, and I would expect him to see him yeah. in the right wing spot. But you just don't know about Harry Kane. I would imagine Sun is back. They got knocked out uh, a little earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, they round made of sixteen. They got round, they got, round, they got, round, round of sixteen. Round of sixteen. But no, that was three weeks ago. Back. Now, right, right. You would. And think he was he, training. He was training. He was training. Mm-hmm. I saw them doing some. I don't know if he had the mask on, but I did see him training. But I'm actually interested to see whether because Basuma actually apparently he. He won a penalty against. I know it's not in the twenty-one game. These games don't count, as Andrews famously said. But he's—they seem to be, he, they they played him as more as as an attacking eight rather than a six. And I don't know. We've seen Conte play a three-one-four-two for Inter. Obviously, Skip is no Brozovic, no matter what I say, <laughs> and you know that kind of stuff. But I definitely think with the fact that we haven't got that third striker. I mean, like unless he's going to play Sunny down the middle and have like. I don't know, um, what should I call it? Uh, Brian Hill on the left or something. I'd, maybe he won't go to a 3 one because apparently they, are, they they said they are trying different things in training. So maybe this is one of the different things because 
you've got to say something. Look at that. Conte's probably thought, well, who do I have? And he's probably thinking, well, do you know what? I've got two games. What teams? What what are, what is my likely squad as a result of the World Cup? And what can I play? And what ideas can I get across? So who knows? Maybe we'll see a three-five-two or something because. And I wouldn't put it past, put it past him. You know, having because I definitely do think that I think what should we call it? Um, Kuliszewski was playing more like a number ten, I think, in one of the games. And you know, dropping deep, feeding the balls through. Maybe he does that. You know, we, we played. To, and I think Harvey White was playing as a false nine for some bizarre reason. Oh, he did he play just, as a false nine, but he's me. He's a midfielder, <laughs> which is really weird. Yeah, I, but if you think about it, and I mean, you, I agree, it's weird, but. It's a holding midfielder and a false nine have a very similar required skill set, you know, hold, get the ball, receive the ball, hold the ball, distribute the ball wide, you know? And so I I do understand it. I think if you have, you know, whatever, I'm not saying play Harvey White at striker ever in the premier league, but it was interesting to see. It just tells me that Conte is, is looking to tweak things, you know, while he's without maybe a true striker in his eyes for a little while. Um, I do think Kulisevsky and Brian Hill playing off of somebody who playing as a false nine is, is a viable option too. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think Brian Hill's the intriguing one for me. I Brian Hill, God, I got, I can't, I got to try to do that correctly, but Brian, I would expect plays quite a role in the next, you know, a couple of weeks for Tottenham. I think Brian is somebody who, had he not gone to Spurs, would probably have been in this Spain squad, to be completely honest. He was, he was in the thick of the Spain squad until he came to Spurs and stopped playing. So, um, yeah, I would expect him to be to heavily, to heavily be heavily involved until things steady. Well, one thing I did notice about him, if you looked at his physical development, he's, he was a very skinny teenager, but physically you can see his chest is bigger, his shoulders are broader. Mm-hmm. He's still got bullied off the ball a little bit, but who knows, maybe... I mean, I don't obviously. Obviously, we're obviously done talking about this game, but Annual De Maria. I think I mentioned this in the chat. I've always seen him playing, coming, cutting in, coming off the right hand side, cutting onto his left. But they played him as a left winger, and it worked. I couldn't. I was su- surprised as hell. So who knows? Maybe they'll use Brian Hill as a left winger, as a left wing forward. Say, look, get crosses in the box. Use your ability to drift past players and start, you know, getting crosses in early with your left foot. I'm not saying that's going to happen or not, but you never know. Brian Hill played uh, 75 minutes against Motherwell, scored a goal in that, um, whatever we're calling it, friendly, warm-up game, uh, tune-up game. Uh, most minutes he's played in a game since May 10th in a game against Real Batiste. Uh, he played 63 minutes in that game. Um, yeah, th- that's a guy who I would like to see whether or not, because I think I do think the first handful of games he will have to see some kind of playing time. And it'll be interesting to see whether he can put a foothold in, even if it's the third or fourth option in attack, even if it's the fifth option in attack, if he can hold that place or maybe grow from it, or if he's a player that perhaps would have to try and find a loan for in January. Um, I think January is going to be really interesting for this club too. We keep talking about it, but you know, there's still some money left over from the summer that can be spent there's the matter of a potential new contract for Antonio Conte, a potential new contract for Harry Kane, which I think very well could be linked together in some sort of way, uh, in, just in terms of, of timeline. Um, and and I really think that's the biggest one is, is the Conte one. I think that's going to really determine – I think if they don't get a contract done 
um, you know, by the end of this season and, and something that, that, that goes a little longer, you know, Spurs obviously have the option to renew him for next year, but this is going to be, it's going to be awkward if they don't come out in this January window. And I'm not saying just splash cash around, but they almost need to come out in this January window and do something similar to what they did last January in picking up Benton and Kulisevsky, those kind of impact players for this first team. I really feel like that's something this, this club needs a, a repeat of, if not better this January in order to push forward for the rest of the season, because it is going to be an uphill battle with uh, I, the, number, the number of, the number of minutes that have been put on legs already. Well, I think yeah, Newcastle, I, are third. Newcastle are third Liverpool are what fifth or something or sixth or something. So it's so crowded up at the top. Yeah, I, I think to Andrew's point, if we don't if we don't go out and sign an impact wing right wing back this January, I think it will have a, a, a significant impact on Conte's desires to be at Tottenham. I think that's a huge piece. There. And, and I know I sound like alarmist when I say these things, but there is plenty of data and deliverables that show us that Conte walks if he doesn't get what he wants. Right. So. I think we need to go out and sign a right wing back that keeps Conte happy. He does not feel that he has the pieces right now to be as successful as he as as he wants to be, and that that position is a huge part of that, in my opinion. So, I think that's the biggest piece that we have to go out and sign this window. There's there's all these Amrabat links. He's a badass. I'd even take Wufal from the same team, right? If if we had to go that route. Um, there, there's some some hot links coming through at the right wing back position that I that I think are really worth keeping an eye on. And they've you know Amrabad has a big price tag, but if we have any ambition to keep Conte around, that's who we go after. And, and Pedro Porro is the other one too. And I saw some some tweets today from some reputable journalists saying that there's maybe some concern with Alistair Gold, but there's maybe some concern that Pedro Porro doesn't have the physicality to play in the Premier League, and that's coming from Conte, so we'll see. Yeah, that's what I've heard about Porro as well. It's just his size. I know there's a lot of people that are very high on him, um, including some of our friends over at uh, both the Extra Inch and Wheeler Dealer Radio who saw him in person over in Portugal a few weeks ago, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think you're right, though. I think a right wing back, unless, and and I'm not saying he would solve all the problems, unless Jed Spence is an option there. I think that lessens the burden of bringing something in if he becomes an option in the second half of this season. But I still think you need well, to be kept there. Jed Spence, I do agree from a depth perspective that, it, that if he starts showing value, it, it bodes well for us. But I do not think he's anywhere near the talent required for Conte to think he has a squad capable of winning the Premier League. So, and I know that's not what you're saying either. I'm just talking, to, you know, to the listener at this point. But Jed Spence, I do love that we're hearing that he passed the test in this World Cup break, right? And whatever the fuck that means, he passed the test in air quotes, right? But yeah. we're hearing that. Um, and, and I'm very happy to hear that because I do think he's a very talented player. And I think three or four seasons from now could be – an impactful right wing back for this squad, but I just maybe even two or three, right? I'm just throwing numbers out. But ultimately my point is he is not the talent required to win the league. And I think that's what Conte is going to want us to be going after this window. So well and to your point, Conte said when they signed Jet Spence, he was one for the club, not for not for the squad, yeah. essentially. Um not yeah. to not to put into the eleven. And if that if things have changed over the last handful of months, that's great. 
Um, but at the same time, I think this January needs to be reserved. Like I like I mentioned earlier, th- this needs to be a Kulisevsky Bentoncourt January. It yeah. needs to be not not bringing people in for the club like Jed Spence, like for the future. This needs to be a more of a win now mentality for this January purely. And I say that not because Tottenham sit fourth and need to hang on to that spot. I say it because of the stress of this season and what it is with a World Cup in the middle of it. Well, as Andrew, you often say, it takes two to tango, right? So, hundred percent. I think, whereas we're basically with Bentoncourt and um, Kulishevsky, one of the reasons that really helped us be able to sign them is the fact that Juventus had signed Vla- Vlaovic. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. spent a lot of money on him, so they had to then recoup. So that that opened up a window. Is in like they had to recoup their finances from somewhere I, because I think I, I think, think it was a combination. Yeah, I yeah. think it was a combination of them needing to recoup, and also those players were not fitting in in, in with with Juventus. Like but those players were not is, kicking on with Juventus. Yeah, but what yeah. I'm saying is we need that kind of perfect storm, and to yes. get that, to hope that, I just don't see how that happens. I mean, I know that there are some players like uh, Malian. I can't pronounce his name for Atalanta. That apparently, Conte uh, like Malianovsky. He's he's six months less on his contract, so probably they might take a a reasonable offer. Bastoni has only got now six months left on his contract, so they might take a reasonable offer for him. But um, in terms of what's available, I mean, I mean, like you've got like, I mean, right now, I mean, like obviously you got. I think a lot of the Argentina squad is going to probably leave. I don't, I don't see McAllister staying at Brighton that much longer. I'm saying from Martinez, no I think. I can well, see unless they're of, unless they're pushing for Champions League. I mean, I which Champions is, I think, League, but possible. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying is I think it takes. We were very lucky in this fact that we were able to get you because obviously Paratici knew, knew them very very well, and so I think that's what really helped to get that again. I just don't with all plus with all the kerfuffle going around Paratici as well with this whole Juventus thing. Well, wow. I'm hoping I'm hoping Lightning can strike twice, but. I'm not gonna put. I'm not. I'm, you're the betting man, and so Scott. I, I'm not. I, I don't even. I don't. I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Shubhan. I don't even know that it's lightning striking twice. I think it's expecting your your director of football or whatever the hell title we're officially giving uh, Paratici at this point. I, I think it's expecting him to do his job and do his due diligence and know what's out there. And here's part of the problem too. You mentioned you, you don't know who's going to be available. I don't think anyone does at this point because I don't think we've really let the dust settle from this world cup and know yeah you know who's whose stock is up whose stock is down who's injured who needs reinforcements in this position who needs reinforcements in that position where the money settles in with all of this stuff i mean you mentioned juventus there's a lot to be kind of thought about and decided there i don't think anyone really knows who's well, available at this point the the nice part for tottenham is that we all know Art, we're always going to be linked to Syria and Italy for sure. It, we, you know, with Paratici and Conte at the helm, of course. Um, Italy didn't make the World Cup. Stock has gone down for a guy like Bastoni, or at least leveled, right? It hasn't gone up. Um, Italy missing the World Cup, us having these Italian links, the World Cup just throwing everything you know, off for, for lack of a more uh, fancy way of explaining that. Right. I, I just, I, I think that we are, are more poised than we think we are because of, because of, of just our situation. Right. But now it's not lightning. It's not lightning in the sense of Benteker and Kulisevsky and Juventus and all of that. Right. But I do really, really value the fact that Italy did not make the world cup as much as that pains me to say that, you know, as, as a person of Italian heritage and 
family in Rome and all of that, I feel for for the Italian national team, but for Tottenham, it bodes well. Yeah, I, I think that's really fair. Um, I'll be interested to see it. I, like I said, it's very, very strange to have all of this stuff kind of wrap up today uh, in Qatar, and now in a week from now, we're going to be talking about t- turning the switch right back on, and it feels like feels like we all need a, a deep exhale and a moment, but we're not really going to get it, which I, in some sense is good. We want, I want club football back. I want, I miss watching Spurs. I want to, you know, I want to watch a Tottenham match rather than a, a world cup match at this point. Um, but it is, it's going to be very, it's going to look very preseasony, I think for a couple of weeks with players still making their way back from, from, from that. And not only that, but, players who have not played in regular games having to kind of get their foot, you know, players that even weren't at the world cup that have just been in training with them, players trying to get their footing back after being in a rhythm of a season and having to all of a sudden ramp that back up. I'm, I'm fearful of injuries. I'm fearful of soft tissue stuff. I'm fearful of, you know, all of that, but I, it's going to be really interesting to see which clubs navigate these waters best as we dive into January, not only on the field, but with all of the off the field and transfer uh, stuff as well so it it should be should be a sight to behold um scott we also got a little information this week which is i know is one of your favorite topics it's not really my i mean i i like aesthetics as well but i know it's not even really shuban's favorite topic <laughs> but spurs le- leaks are out this week of spurs away and third kits for next season the away kit involves a dark blue with a holographic logo which looks kind of dope the third kit though this one that's uh, like a beige type of color you you're not that you're not that much of a fan of it seems right yeah i mean first of all the the leaked away kit is major fucking vibes i, I love that kit i'll buy it so fast the, the 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 thing about the beige, it's not that I dislike it it just seems so like boring and unadventurous right and we haven't seen templates and all of that but like it just I think I'm just irritated because of the clickbait surrounding it more than anything, right? If I'm being completely honest. But but yeah, we'll see. Um, but that away kit is fucking beautiful if it's real. And please, Tottenham, just keep just keep putting out a white shirt with the logo on it for the home kit. I beg you. Like I we don't need to, to get fancy. Yeah, I have yeah, to imagine that's please. what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um it's it, it is funny to me that that uh, the, the 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 two colors other than black for this third kit are described as taupe haze and diffused taupe which just feels like two ways that you would use to describe tottenham football in in, in <laughs> um, just some hipster ass shit man i don't even know what those what those words are but yeah it's just kind of ironic um yeah so love that um i i, I would do want to shout out the women's team uh before we do get out of here uh they did win uh in the league cup against southampton one nil this morning uh, that ends a run of three straight defeats in league play for them um they really it's a good thing that they got off the schneid because they needed it uh they did finish top of their group in the conti cup uh, and will be advancing out so that's good news for them um spurs women are not back in action however until january 14th they're back in league play uh, away to aston villa women so we will keep an eye out for that they get a little bit of a break here uh, following this match for the holiday. So good news for them as well. Um, that's going to do it for here, us here at the Tottenham Depot. I want to take a moment to wish everyone celebrating a very happy Hanukkah. Um, we are going to be back next week with a pod that we're going to record a little bit early, but we'll put out for the weekend for the uh, Christmas weekend. And uh, hope everyone out there has 
uh, all their preparations ready for the holidays and uh, is, is having themselves a very festive season as we uh, roll in toward the end of the calendar year. Uh, 96 of these we've now done, folks. That's really, really cool. And we are fast approaching number 100 uh, and couldn't do it without you, the listener. So we appreciate that. Leave us a rating and review whenever you get the chance uh, on your podcast platform of choice. And you can follow us, of course, on social media for as long as that hellscape tends to exist. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, Do that as well. Uh, That's going to do it for us here at the Depot. Until next time, as always. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs.